You're listening to the Tidy Revival Podcast, where we explore the stories and emotions behind decluttering and home organization. I'm your host, Carly Adams, home organizer and creator of the clutter-free home process. Now, this is the time where I remind you that this is not a show for little ears. If your kids are in the room, please pause now. This show has an explicit rating. We're going deep. We're going through your shit while we're going through your shit. Now, let's get started. If you're enjoying this episode, we would love if you would rate and review the show. It helps us get in front of more people, and we really, really appreciate it. Hey guys, welcome back. I am here with Rachel Bailey, and we have been connected on the internet for a while because for us, she has been this amazing source of inspiration. And then we connected about her podcast and bringing her to our podcast. So without further ado, I'm just going to let her take it away. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here, Carly. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to jump in and get all of your parenting wisdom as it pertains to home organization and decluttering. Can you tell us all about yourself and your story, including how you came to find your niche? Yeah, absolutely. So I am what I call a parenting specialist. My background's in clinical psychology, but I'm not really a parenting coach because I kind of feel like I advise more than I pull information out of people, which is what a coach does. And I didn't really mean to start with parenting in any way. I was actually studying to be a neuropsychologist, got pregnant along the way. So I didn't actually become a neuropsychologist, but I've always been interested in the brain and I was getting my PhD along the way. So at that point, when I got pregnant, I was still doing therapy and I was mostly doing therapy for teenagers, although I was working with some kids and some adults. But what I found in the teenagers is that there were a lot of teens who were really struggling with low self-esteem and a lot of anxiety. And so I said to myself at that point, and this was probably, I don't know, 15 years ago, I said, whoa, there's a lot going on here. I need to back up and work with parents. Because if I can actually get to parents before I get to the kids, Mm -hmm. um, I can make such a big difference, not only for kids who are going to become teens, but also the entire family. So I started working with parents, again, maybe 14, 15 years ago now. It's before parent coaches were even really a thing. And eventually I was working with them and realized that my passion was for what I really focus on right now, which is parents who are raising kids with what I call big emotions. Mm -hmm. Parents know kids have big emotions if their kids have maybe anxiety or they're more sensitive or maybe more strong will. Those are the words that parents tend to use, but it's generally kids who just feel things strongly. That's what I focus on working with parents of these kids. I love it so much. And as somebody who was one of those teens that needed a little extra assistance, I really appreciate everything that you do. And I definitely know kids with big emotions, everything that you talk about really hits home from my auntie perspective. So thank you. I'm really excited because I know folks in our community are really excited to hear what you have to say about these different things as well. So I know both of us are really in the business of having folks find peace at home through the strategies that we both teach. Can you elaborate on some of the most common things you hear when folks start working with you about how they're feeling at home? Yeah, definitely not peaceful. And I agree with you. We're both in the business of peace, of relief. That's what we want to give. And when people come to me, they tend to feel overwhelmed is probably the first word both you and I hear. Yes overwhelmed, that life is chaotic, 
they feel out of control. Again, you and I probably hear this very similar words when they first come to us, feeling helpless and guilty. And one of the words that I think we don't talk about enough, but I hear a lot is maybe even a little bit resentful. In my world, it's resentful of kids who just drain us and take so much of our energy and like they need so much from us. So maybe there's a little bit of resentment too. That's generally how parents are feeling. All of those words I hear. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the word that people don't really want to say. Yeah. But it's like, here's the surface and here's the word. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So what what are the most common ways that folks work with you? So I focus really these days because I'm working with kids with big emotions on self-esteem and resilience, improving what I call task resilience so that kids can clean up, do the things that they have to do, do their homework, be nicer to their brother, sister. So the things they don't feel like doing, I teach parents how to teach kids to do those things, mm-hmm. but also emotional resilience. Like how do we handle, how do kids handle the fact that parents are going to say no to them? No, I'm not buying you another video game. No, you can't go to your friend's house because you didn't do your homework. How do they handle those big feelings without, you know, yelling at their parents or melting down or hating themselves? So I teach all about resilience, task resilience, emotional resilience, and I teach those in a membership that I have. So that's how most parents work with me. I have a a curriculum that I actually walk parents through. It's a step-by-step process. And then I also do live classes. But the goal is really to bring more resilience to the home in kids and in parents too. I start with parents actually teaching them some resilience skills as well. So they don't get sucked into their kids' big emotions. Oh my gosh. But that's gold because it can be... It can, that's a, that's a tough thing to not get sucked into sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I am personally, I have two kids with big emotions and I'm very sensitive. So, yeah. so like I have big emotions too. So it's so easy to get sucked in for me, even if mm-hmm. you're not sensitive, it's easy to get sucked in, but mm-hmm. yeah, we need those skills first before we can teach them to our kids. Mm-hmm. So here's a question for you. That's not on my list of questions. Do you consider okay. yourself a highly sensitive person? I do. I'm textbook highly sensitive. Like if you actually Google highly sensitive, there's Dr. Aaron is the first person to coin this term and there are certain Mm -hmm. qualities and Mm -hmm. I fit almost every single one of them. I'm very highly sensitive. Yes. That's so interesting to, uh, okay. So I am a mentor in a community and, you know, so I talk to hundreds of organizers every week about the things that we're going through. And I know for our highly sensitive people who happen to be organizers, sometimes that can be really difficult to not take the emotions on of what their clients are going through. Exactly. So I can only imagine how difficult that is as a psychologist, Mm. because our, our work, our work ends up being a lot more emotional than people might think it is before they end up going through the process themselves. Absolutely. But yours is all the time. Yeah. Well, I think organizing is all the time too, because people are, there's so much emotion around organization. I mean, you think it's just the things it's not, you know, this, I mean, you could tell me this, it's not just the things. So there's so much emotion here. And I remember one early in graduate school, my, one of my professors said to me, I noticed you're an empath, which is actually a subset of highly sensitive and empath is where we kind of feel other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. And he said, you're an empath. You're going to have to be careful so that you don't actually hold other people's feelings all the time. So I actually have a lot of training and not holding other people's feelings. And that's what I teach parents now, because as parents, we can't hold our kids' feelings. Otherwise we can't be helpful to them. So yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh, I love that so much. Are we friends on social media yet? Whether your jam is Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, or Facebook, follow us at Tidy Revival for tips and updates. 
Okay. So now getting into kind of some logistical things, I know that folks in my, in my community wonder if it's even possible to have a tidy and organized home while living with kids who may struggle with sensory overload, anxiety, or other emotional challenges. So what are some decluttering or organizing strategies that you've seen particular seen work particularly well for overwhelmed parents, which might be every parent and their children with big emotions? Yeah. One of the biggest tips I have is to, if you're going to organize with kids, declutter with kids is to do it with them. There's so many benefits of connection, just knowing that we're in this together. And like, for example, when my kids were younger, we cleaned together every Sunday afternoon. That was just what we did. You get a lot less resistance, but it's also your, when you're connected and you're kind of in the tough stuff with them, they're more likely to do it. And just as importantly, when the big feelings do come up, you can help your kids through those feelings. Because one of the things I say all the time is big feelings will sometimes stop us in our tracks and prevent us from doing the thing we have to do, but we can actually move through them so we can get back to the thing that we have to do, like clean and organize. So kids who do feel anxious or upset when we're giving away things, we have to help them through their feelings so they can get to the other side and continue doing what they have to do. So just cleaning and organizing with your kids is probably one of the the top tips that I have. I have others, but that's probably the biggest. I can start with that. I can totally see that. And something that I end up seeing all the time with folks along those same lines is that working with adults, when we're talking about and going back to childhood and reminiscing about childhood, when you ask folks, you know, when you're growing up and your parents said, Hey, go clean your room. Mm -hmm. Did you know what that meant? And a lot of folks are like, no, I didn't know what that meant, but then you're too young to really ask. And then by the time you're old enough to ask, you're either moved out or you're embarrassed that it's been, you know, 18 years and you have no idea what that is. And so that's how people end up just kind of shoving things under the bed into closets because they learned subconsciously what their parents were looking for. And that is kind of like a clear surface things away, things tidy, but they never got like the full explanation. So I love what you're saying about doing this with your kids, because there are things that are like second nature. I'm doing that in air quotes, guys, second nature as an adult that actually a lot of people didn't even learn. So you might not know that yourself. You might be learning it for the first time and, or you might think that your kids know what the hell you're talking about, but they don't. So true. And man, everything you said about cleaning and shoving things under the bed, that is so representative also of our feelings, by the way, like our parents Mm. want to clean on the surface and all we do is shove our feelings under the bed. Metaphorically, it's all the same stuff. And when we, when we say to kids, calm down or clean your room, they don't know exactly, even if they know what it means, which I agree with you, most don't, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to push through the, I'm, this is boring. What do I do when it's boring? And I, you know, my attention gets distracted. Like they don't know how. So Mm -hmm. when we teach them how to clean their space, clean their minds, we're empowering Mm -hmm. them for life. Uh, So there's this this trend that I've seen with my sisters and their kids where I'm just like, this is amazing. And I love when I have the opportunity to be involved in this way, when kids are having big emotions and you're able to say to a child, you like basically get them through breath work. So like I was doing breath work with my niece the other day and kind of some 
some like ground, not affirmations, but like, let's just kind of go through some breath work. Mindfulness is probably what you were doing. Mindfulness. And, yeah. and I did, I think I did say mindfulness in the moment, but you know, she'd lost her shorts, the shorts she wanted to wear the next day. She couldn't find them. She thought she put them on, but she didn't. We've all been there. And she was starting to become very worked up over it. And to be able to say, okay, let's, let's take, let's take some deep breaths. I'm going to have you breathe and I'm going to have some things for you to think about. And, and just kind of like coming down from that moment, but having kids know the key words that it, like, let's have a mindfulness moment. Kids know about the deep breathing and how that can help calm you down and what to tell yourself in that moment. Those are tools that I did not have as a child. And I'm Heck just no, like, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, it's not like our parents were holding it from us. Like your parents didn't have those tools either. Correct. That's what I say all the time. Our parents did the best they could. They didn't know, but we're going to break that cycle because now we do know, and we can teach our kids and we can really empower our kids to not be controlled by their environment. That's the thing. We want to teach yeah. kids to recognize their feelings, but not being controlled by someone being mean to you or someone telling you no, or someone doing this or that. Yeah. That's- and I feel, I mean, I'm working on this as an adult. I have my therapy appointment later today. So I'm like doing my list of things to yeah. talk about. And it's, it's all, all of it is so helpful yeah. for kids and grownups. Okay. How can parents navigate the challenge of decluttering? This is the next question. These are questions from my community. So I really appreciate you. <laughs> how can parents navigate the challenge of decluttering when their kids struggle with letting go of items and become easily overwhelmed by the process. Yeah, and this is what go, where it goes back to when we are teaching kids how to respect their feelings but not be controlled by their feelings. So we're starting to declutter and a child is getting upset because they have to let go of an item. There's basically a two-step process that I teach. It's, it's pretty simple, it's not easy, but it's pretty simple. When someone has an emotion, first thing they need to do is actually release the energy. There's like things happening inside of our body when we have an emotion. So we need to be able to release it. So we don't ever want to say to a child, all right, let's calm you down right now. They actually have to be able to release what they're feeling and feel what they're feeling. Because feelings, if we try to just push them down, they don't go away. They just go right back inside. Mm -hmm. So we allow a child to feel upset and feel this way. And then we actually help them do what I call, this is my strategy, traveling the yuck curve. So basically yuck is a word I used to describe anything uncomfortable where your brain is like, whoa, there's something going on here, like overwhelm. So basically yuck gets bigger before it gets smaller. It's like a rainbow shaped curve. So imagine a rainbow in your head. And what we do is we allow kids to like release that feeling and they are going to get a little bigger at first where we're like, yeah, you know what? We're going to pause right now. We're going to stop for a moment, feel the feeling, let it pass and it will pass. And then once it passes, once they've actually gone through that curve, they realize they're safe and they're okay. That's when we return to decluttering and we use some strategies like, all right, what is in your control? We don't want to give away that thing right now. It's really upsetting you. Maybe we take a picture of it. I mean, you could probably give all these strategies of what you do about giving things away, but we're basically letting our child have the feeling. We're teaching them how to get through it. And then once they get through it, then we can ask these questions to help them deal with the overwhelm. But you cannot help an overwhelmed person while they're actually feeling overwhelmed. You have to help them get through it and release it. Like your mindfulness strategies help someone actually get through these feelings without acting in a way that they regret. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of these things, these are things that come up for adults all the time too. And I want to say that because if anyone is listening and are thinking like, am I a child? No. All of this comes up for everyone. And in the, when I'm working with 
adults, because I mostly work with adults, sometimes children, but mostly adults, we're taking, we're taking little five minute water breaks. Yeah. Um, we're taking little pauses. I'll leave the room. Sometimes people just need to like feel their feelings. I'm giving out hugs if they need yeah. them. I have tissues on hand at all times because mm-hmm. there end up being a lot of emotions around what we're going through. hundred percent. And it's not easy. So these strategies can work for you as well. Is the A hundred percent. Yeah. It's funny whenever I work with parents and children now, but I used to do corporate workshops and communication presentations. It's all the same stuff, whether it's parent, child, parent, parent, adult, adult. I mean, it doesn't matter. This is just human emotion and behavior, you know, topics. It's not just related to kids for sure. Oh, I love it so much. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your community? Because I yes. want to, I want to hear more about this. Yes. So my membership, my community is called Raising Resilience. And again, it's basically where we are fostering more resilience in ourselves because most of us, like we were saying, don't know how to not get sucked into our kids. So we see our kids are melting down or they're, this is the one we get triggered by. They're being disrespectful. So we say, clean your room. And they say, no, I'm not going to clean my room. Or they just don't listen. How do we not get triggered by that? And yes, it is possible. And you will feel so empowered when you learn how to do this. It's not that hard either. So we, we learn how to not get sucked in. We learn how to diffuse kids, what I call drama more quickly. And then we teach them that resilience that I was mentioning before, the task resilience. So how do they clean their room? Even if we're not in the room, when I said do it together, you're not doing it together with them all the time. Let's say they're in their room cleaning a part of their room. And again, it gets boring and they get distracted or they are distracted by, you know, my friend just got mad at me. How do we teach them to maintain their their task resilience so they can do what they have to do? And then how do we teach them to handle those uncomfortable feelings that aren't necessarily related to something they have to do? So that is how I help my community. It's all about resilience and doing it in a way that helps them feel more confident. Because what I find is when we usually teach resilience, we make kids feel worse. Because we say, just like Carly, you were mentioning in the beginning, clean up, but they don't know how, and then they feel bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. We do all this in a way that increases their confidence because we're teaching them how to do these things. Not just that they should, but we're teaching them how. I love it so much. Hey, hon, are you looking to jumpstart your organization? Check out my free printable decluttering guide to give you inspiration on where to start. Just head to tidyrevival.com forward slash guide to get started. This is a side question that I was thinking about as you were chatting. When you're talking about task resilience, Hmm. do you use a lot of timers in your strategies? And if so, what kind of time, what kind of amounts of time to stay on a task do you feel are good for different age ranges? Okay. So it's a good question. And I will just say this about timers. Parents use timers in two different ways. One Mm -hmm. is like you're probably implying, which is, okay, if you have a task that you don't want to do, let's just set a timer. When it's done, we can stop. That's one set of timers. Mm -hmm. I will tell you most parents, when they think of timers, think of Timers like you have five minutes left on your device and then the timer's oh, mm-hmm. down and when the, dev- when the timer's up, the kid has to get off the device. Mm-hmm. In that case, timers do not work. I just want to start by saying that because that's what I hear most often with timers. Mm-hmm. Timers don't work. And I'll tell you when they do. Timers don't work if you're trying to stop a child from doing the thing they want to do. Mm-hmm. They're on their device and you put a timer, there are actually other strategies that you need to use that are not timers. However, I think the way you were implying it, yes, they're very helpful. If they have to do their homework 
and you're using what's called, I'm sure you teach the Pomodoro technique. Mm -hmm. So you are putting it on for 10 minutes. Yep. And then at the end of the 10 minutes, they can pause, take a break and then come back. That is very helpful. So Mm -hmm. if you're using a timer to end something unwanted, it's helpful. If you try to end something that's wanted, it is not as helpful. Okay. I love that. And I love that you mentioned Pomodoro, but we also shortened the Pomodoro because even for my folks, you know, when we're decluttering, especially if you're starting with like a very decluttered area, it's a lot easier to use Pomodoro, but in like 15 to 20 minutes versus that 25 with a five minute break. I totally agree. I used to be an ADHD coach, which is helping people who struggle with executive functioning skills. I did that for like seven years. We used a lot of this type of strategy and it's always about making it work for you. And when there are emotion emotions involved, because emotions, when they're what I call yuck emotions or uncomfortable emotions, shut off the part of our brain that allow us to be productive. So mm-hmm. if we are just trying to push through and you know we don't have some cutoff, we're not going to be able to get through. So it's really important that we figure out the amount of time that works for us may depend on the task. I'm sure you teach us may depend on the task and the person, but yeah, mm-hmm. it has to work for our brains. I'm really loving that. And I'm really great that that came from you, somebody who has the degrees to back it up yeah. because I talk about that a lot, but it's, but I don't have the degrees unless you want a degree in American studies, which you, no one You does. have the experience. You have the experience that's what matters, <laughs> but, but it's great that the working for you is such an important part of it that I think people can miss a lot of times because it's like, I think the things that come to mind probably in the work that both of us do is kind of, you know, questions we're getting is what is the best way? The best way is the way that works for you the best. hundred percent. Yeah. And when I worked with kids and teens, I was an ADHD coach, coach mostly for teens, some kids, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would actually have them do experiments to figure out what was the best way. We would literally have a chart. We would say, okay, try it for five minutes. How did it go? Try it for 10 minutes. How did it go? Because what I've I've always been all about self-esteem and the way we need to feel good about ourselves is to understand ourselves and what does work for us. Mm -hmm. So let's figure it out. It's going to be different than what works for somebody else. Let's do experiments to figure out who we are and what works best for us. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. And I love, love the experiment method because that makes it fun. Yeah. I I I think I'm there. I'm like, Oh, experiments. Let's do it. And then also the feeling, I think it's easy to forget that so much of what we're both doing really has to do with how you're feeling and to tap into that. Absolutely. Oh, Okay. Any last thoughts before I let you go, Rachel? I would just say, going back to what we were saying earlier, that we were both in the business of bringing peace to people and peace comes. And as a highly sensitive person, I'm very sensitive to my environment and to clutter. I will say that. So my husband actually jokes, he knows what kind of mood I'm in based on how much I clean the kitchen. If I'm cleaning a lot, (laughs) I'm not in a great place because I'm very affected by my environment. Mm -hmm. But ultimately peace doesn't come just from our environment. Peace starts from inside of us. It starts with the way we think and the way we perceive things. And that's good news and bad news. Bad news maybe because it's like, oh, you mean I'm not going to feel better when I just make everything on the outside, when I make my kids listen and when I make my space clean? No, you're not going to feel better. However, the good news is that because it starts with us, we have complete control over it. And there are strategies. I'm such a how-to person. Like, tell me how, what do I say, what do I do? There are literal strategies to help you gain more peace in your mind. And then it's so much easier to lead your children and to create more space in your home as well. So it starts inside of us, not outside of us. 
I love it so much. Where can folks find you? So the probably best place to find me, first of all, I have my website, rachel-bailey.com. I also have a podcast, which I'm excited to have you on, Carly, very shortly. That is, you can find that on my website at rachel-bailey.com forward slash podcast. But the podcast is called Your Parenting Long Game. You can find that on any podcast app. And then I have a Facebook group that goes along with it where I give behind the scenes and extra tips. And that's just your Parenting Long Game podcast community. I am on Instagram, but not as much there to be quite honest, but I'm still there. No worries. And we will have all of those links in the show notes as well. So go follow Rachel. If you are a parent or an auntie, you're going to want these tips. And I think I mentioned this. I know I mentioned before we recorded, I think I tapped into it a little bit at the beginning of the show. We as a company have been following you for a while because of how how well you disseminate information. You've been an inspiration to us from a business side of things, but also from like, you know, the actual content that you have learning about parenting kiddos with big emotions. We're just big fans over here. So thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you so much for those kind words and for having me here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in today. If you want to learn more about how I can help you, head to tidyrevival.com to learn more about how I work with people one-on-one or in the clutter-free home process private community. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you'll always have access to the latest show. We would also love to hear your takeaways. Feel free to tag us at Tidy Revival on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. The Tidy Revival podcast is written and hosted by me, Carly Adams, and edited by Brittany McLean. Title song, Maverick, is by Dresden the Flamingo. And until next time, remember that you got this.